Now I thought I'd share some of my favorite Turkey Day tradition stories from you guys. Um, this one's from Meggie Monster. She says, my family has a tradition called ham slap, where you take a piece of ham and slap an unsuspecting family member in the face with it while yelling, you just got ham slapped. Yeah. This one's from at my Joe Wilson. She says, every time someone gets nostalgic and says, do you remember? My twin brother and I meet in the kitchen and secretly do a shot. It makes hearing the same old stories way more fun. Oh. So. I would start saying, do you remember, just to get them wasted. Keep on yeah. stuff. Mess with them. Remember we got ham slapped? Uh, <laughs> ham slap! <laughs> she says, one time a random guy showed up to our house because he typed the wrong address into his GPS. We liked him so much, we've invited him back every year since. Oh, that's great. That's GPS Gary! Yeah. You look great, hey, man. man. Hey, hey, Gary, uh, come here for a sec. <laughs> you just got ham slapped! This one's from, uh... You remember when? Uh, at Drema Live. She says a tradition we're trying to break oh. is that the last few years my 90-year-old grandma has come downstairs on Thanksgiving morning without pants saying, this old bird wants some bird. <laughs> oh, without pants. Pan slapper. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get up the stairs. This one's from at Girl Gets Fit 89. She says, one year my cousin brought his vegetarian girlfriend and she made us give the turkey a name and have a moment of silence before eating it. Eugene was delicious. Good morning, Storyline. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. For me, this Thanksgiving week got a lot better last Sunday because we did a fourth in Zoom all Storyline call. And by the way, we're going to be doing those the fourth Sunday of every month that we're that we remain online like this. So I hope you'll join us next time on December 27th at 10.30 in the morning. You can go to our website and log on to a Zoom call. Well, it was really good to see so many faces last Sunday and to interact with dozens of Storyliners, and I was so thankful. You know, people often ask me, where do we get our ideas for the gatherings and, and what we're gonna talk about? And the answer is always the same, you. I was reminded of that once again during that Zoom call last Sunday. The conversations, the comments, the ideas, so beautiful, so brilliant, so inspiring. God continues to lead our community communally. And believe me, no one is more thankful for that than me. So keeping that in mind as I was preparing for today's talk, knowing that this is coming right after what was very likely a disappointing Thanksgiving for all of us, I went back and I looked over all of the emails and the texts that I've received in the last month or so about some of the talks that we've been doing. And it was obvious that there was this one thought or one idea that really stood out from the rest. And it was this idea of looking at life, not just through uh, the microscope of like right here and right now, but also through a telescope, like trying to have a bigger picture of all of life. That concept garnered so many comments and stories, and I want to thank all of you so much for those of you who contacted me. Um, it seemed like something that maybe we could revisit this morning, especially in the light of a disappointing Thanksgiving and what is, let's just be honest, what's probably going to be a difficult holiday season. I think when times are hard, one of the ways that we can find gratitude is to set aside the microscopic 
and focus on the telescopic view of life. Maybe refocus on the realities of life that are always true, but are just so easy to overlook when things are smooth or take for granted when things are hard. So I've been researching on gratitude and I've been surprised by a lot of the things, but one is this. Gratitude is not a personality trait or gift or talent. It is, according to the research, much more like a skill, one that we can all develop. And over time, it can actually become a habit. And maybe this is why there are over 100 verses in the Bible that tell us to live with gratitude. This is just a few of them. To be thankful or to, be, to have a thankful heart. And in almost all of them, the theme that comes through is this. Gratitude as habitually seen the big picture of life. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not suggesting that we should cover over the difficult details of daily living. Gratitude is not the same as pretending or positivity. Just this week in the New York Times, Meghan Markle, now the Duchess of Sussex, wrote a really beautiful article about how difficult 2020 has been and that most of the time, healing and moving forward really does have a lot to do with facing the pain and the loss and even the suffering of life and doing it honestly and then stopping and asking one another, are you okay? Like in a way where we're really ready to listen and to love. And what I'm suggesting this morning is the Bible's constant admonition to be grateful is not about giving God his due. Those commands aren't about what God wants from us. They're about what God wants for us. And that is for each of us to have the ability and desire, the capacity to show up and to really love one another. And that grows out of a grateful heart. So gratitude is not like this shell game where we're taking the good things and the bad things of life and moving around and only focusing on the good. It's not pretending to be positive by covering up what's wrong. What the Bible is suggesting is that no matter how bad our circumstances are right now, we still have reasons, good reasons, big reasons to be grateful. So it isn't about pretense. It's actually about honesty. And that means God's call, invitation, command to us to be grateful is really about living with more honesty when we consider the big picture of all of life. So with that in mind, I want to bounce this idea off of you. And I'm going to admit right up front that it's a little bit cheesy. But I still hope practically, maybe even hopefully a little bit powerfully helpful. And it's not just about getting through life or grinning and bearing it but it's as a way to find and experience real gratitude in a way that empowers us to offer life to others. And here it is. The invitation of Jesus into the abundant life is one we can only receive and grasp when we are flowing with real and authentic gratitude. And that means gratitude is not an attitude. It's an altitude. See, I told you it was a little bit cheesy. But you see, superficial positivity will only get us so far because it can only last so long. Last week on the 4th and Zoom call, one storyliner was sharing about the difference that she's discovering between endurance and perseverance. 
That was really wise, super insightful. Positivity is something we do when we're pretending so we can endure. But the altitude of gratitude is authentic. It's real, it's honest, and it moves us beyond enduring and into perseverance. Endurance is about getting through something bad. Perseverance is different. Perseverance comes from an old English word, and it means to pursue steadily. I like that. It means that we can walk into each moment of life with a telescopic view of all of life, the good and the bad, and with this big picture clearly in our mind and compellingly in our hearts, it cultivates a gratitude which yields the perseverance to love through any and all circumstances. We're in the home stretch of the heart tonight. We took a hard left, but we're Yeah.
So what are some of the big picture realities, you know, the bones that we can build a life of gratitude around? Last week, I was talking with a friend and he asked me, Mike, how would you sum up what you're trying to do in a storyline talk? And I told him that we're trying to bring the ancient wisdom of the Bible and the gospel of grace together with modern science to inspire, to breathe life into one another. So let me give you a little modern science this morning. Because the more we know about life, the more the ancient wisdom to walk in gratitude becomes even more empowering. Take, for instance, what we are learning about our physical universe. It's not only 14 billion years old. We now know that it's 546 sextillion miles from one end to the other. Now, these numbers are so big that they don't really mean anything to us. So let me see if this might help you just a little. To count to one million, one second at a time, it would take you 11 and a half days, counting 24 hours a day. To count to a billion one second at a time, it would take 32 years. The universe is old. It's also huge. Traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, which is fast enough, by the way, to circle the Earth seven and a half times per second. Traveling that fast, it would take 93 billion years to go from one end of the universe to the other. And by the way, looking out of your spaceship on that trip, you'd still only see a tiny fraction of all the stars in the universe because we now know there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. In other words, the universe we live in is immeasurably large and unbelievably old. And don't get me started on quantum mechanics like the realm of the very, very small and all we're discovering about subatomic reality. And when we turn to biology, like what makes life work, the beauty of life and all that we've been given to make it work, the goodness just stacks up beyond our ability to grasp. I mean, consider this. The heart is an involuntary muscle. And I know a lot of my students are very thankful for that because some of them are so lazy, I think that they would just kick over if it wasn't. But in other words, the heart beats by, it doesn't beat by our effort or energy or focus. Can you imagine if it did? I mean, I've been speaking for 10 minutes, and if you have an average resting heart rate, that means that the organ keeping you alive has flexed about 600 times. Thank God we don't live by push-ups or sit-ups. I wouldn't last 10 minutes. And even breathing is a miraculous gift. In the last 10 minutes, you've taken probably around 75 breaths. No effort, no thought, no worries at all. Now, I suppose you can call all of this, this big picture of life, a remarkable happenstance, sheer luck. I choose to call it. Actually, that isn't true. I am compelled by basic honesty to call it grace, which comes from the word gratis, which means free. I didn't do anything to make or deserve the universe, the stars, the earth, the air, my heart or even the ability to draw my next breath. All of it, pure, sheer, total, free gift. When the Bible says that God gives us life and breath and everything else, 
the more science discovers about the everything else, the more grateful we get to be. The stronger the bones of our life become. And the more empowered we are to live the abundant life of love God has designed for all of us all along. You see, gratitude isn't pretending. It isn't an attitude of grin and bear it. It is an altitude. It's living in a way with a perspective to see all of God's goodness and recognize we always end up getting what we need. Tragically, much of contemporary life wars against this, doesn't it? I mean, just think about how our daily lives look most of the time. Modern life expects things right now. It is microscopic living that magnifies right here, right now, and that uproots gratitude. Look, we all know life is not Amazon Prime. We can't just click a button and have it show up the next day. But if we'll take care of our life like it belongs to someone we love, because it does, that nurtures an increasing capacity to give to others all we have and not just all we have left. And then in that place, from that space, we begin to experience that the abundant life belongs not to those who have the most, but to those who make the most of what they have. And the catalyst for all of this is gratitude. This is not some selfish demand that God is making when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. It is really an invitation into reality to living at an altitude where we can see the big picture. I recently read about this really unique experiment. Researchers took three groups of children, elementary, middle school, and high school aged, and gave them the same exact test. They each had a piece of paper, and on this piece of paper was a tiny red dot. And they were asked to describe everything that they could about what they saw. This is so fascinating. I love this kind of thing. So the middle school kids did almost nothing, and probably because they were middle school kids, but also because they were afraid to be wrong. They were frozen in fear. The high school kids picked up the paper with the dot on it, and I mean, they really studied the dot. They looked at it closely. They turned the paper sideways. They looked at it from the other side. They examined it thoroughly, and then mostly confused, almost all of them wrote entirely about the dot how it was made, its shape, color, contours, what it could mean, what it might be for. They were totally fixated on the dot and clearly frustrated. But the little kids did something amazing, something no one expected. They noticed the dot and then they wrote and wrote and wrote. The researchers who were, who were as surprised as anyone about this discovered that when the young children looked at the page, they all saw the dot, but they also saw the whole page. The dot wasn't their focus. Their imagination was. Their creativity, their freedom was. And they created incredible stories that often included the dot into a much bigger picture. Life in the modern world, we know this. It's totally about right here, right now. It's a microscopic view of reality. It focuses us 
entirely on our dot. There's no altitude to it. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised when all too often we get frozen in fear or fixated and frustrated and totally shut off from gratitude. When the dot is all we have, it's like staring at just one pixel of a TV screen. But it isn't the pixel, it's the whole picture that reveals the honest truth about life and our life. And this is why God commands us to live with gratitude. It's not really a command, it's an invitation. We're gonna close with a song this morning that my wife Lisa told me about. Because when I shared with her that this idea that gratitude begins with our altitude, she said maybe this song would work just great. As he tells me it's his first time on a plane We took off and headed east I was thumbing through the magazines He felt like talking and offered me his name So I asked him how he was And he smiled and said, well, son I've been better, I've been worse I've chased after pretty girls Seen a couple places That I never thought I'd see I've walked into harder times I've walked out the other side It seems like you end up Getting what you need Yeah, looking down from 30,000 feet Life's been good to me I've been out a month or so Another night, another show A hundred different cities They all seem the same He asked me what it must be like Singing songs under the lights Well, it's got his moments Just like anything I miss my town I miss my wife But I'm up here I've been better, I've been worse I have loved a pretty girl I've seen a couple places That I never thought I'd see I walked into harder times And I walked out the other side Seems like you end up getting what you need Yeah, looking down from 30,000 feet Life's been good to me I've chased after pretty girls 
couple places that I never thought I'd see I walked into harder times and I walked out the other side Seems like you end up getting what you need Yeah, looking down from 30,000 feet Life's been good to me I love this line from that song. Sometimes we can get lost living in the here and now. Sometimes it takes the sky to see what's on the ground. It's hard to find anything more than endurance when our life devolves into the microscopic dot of right now. But if the bones of our life is gratitude for all that was and is, and is to come. We can live with the childlike altitude. It may just find ourselves taking care of our own life like it belongs to someone we love. We may discover new levels of perseverance and capabilities to give all that we have instead of all that we have left. And the gracious, beautiful, and miraculous truth of Jesus' invitation that the abundant life does not belong to those who have the most. It flows through those who make the most of all that they have. And even in the hardest of times, that is something to truly be thankful for. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and for this opportunity to be together even in this way. What a gift you have given us in this life we do always seem to get what we need because you are a God of grace. I, I pray that, that this week you would help us to not only be thankful for that, but even more to trust it and to trust you, that you are on our side even when the microscopic dot of right here and right now looks so bleak. Help us to live at the altitude of gratitude so we can see and celebrate, enjoy and embrace, experience and embody and extend the life of love and grace to everyone, everywhere, every day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God, I pray that as we log off this morning, you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon.